Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May. I'm so happy to have you all here and to have our special guest, Naya Bajaj. And she is an internationally accredited yoga therapist and narrative-based medicine facilitator who helps exhausted women eliminate fatigue, manage their weight, and nourish themselves so they can stay focused and present to create the impact they want in the world. She collaborates with change makers from all walks of life, from the C-suite to the playground, to design purposeful, nourishing, well-being practices that take yoga beyond asana so they can be in better relationship with their body, breath, and mind to influence healthier and more sustainable relationships with the world around them. I love that. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me here. So I've... I want to start in two different places, but the, I'll start the most traditional with this show is tell us your story and how you came to be a yoga therapist. And then we'll move on to my next very important question. <laughs> I'm curious about what the second question is. It's really not that big a deal, but. <laughs> I came to yoga therapy in part because I am of, you know, South Asian descent. So it's kind of been something my family has always done. Um, and for me, the introduction was actually more on the philosophical side of yoga and the Ayurvedic side of the practice than it was yoga asana. As a kid, I lived with chronic joint pain. I'm hypermobile. So all of my joints hurt a lot as a kid. And a lot of the sort of anti-inflammatory practices that you know my mom or my grandma would suggest, right? Things like turmeric milk, you know, all those fancy turmeric lattes. I've been drinking them for 37 years, give mm -hmm. or take, so well before they were popular. Um, and just ways of thinking of being in the world. I remember sort of sitting at my grandfather's feet. He used to hold classes on the Bhagavad Gita in our home. So once a week, people would come and literally sit at his feet as he talked about the philosophies that underpin yoga and you know mm -hmm. how you should approach being in the world. And so that's always been part of my life. My grandmother taught me how to chant, which is a big part of the therapeutic yoga practice. And I didn't realize all of these things because as a kid, you're just like, oh, well, this is what everyone's doing, right? These are This is just what life is like. Um, and I found my way to yoga asana because my dad signed me up. For a class. I was a pretty anxious teen. I was also struggling with some disordered eating because as a kid who didn't move so much, I gained a lot of weight. And as a teenager in the 90s, which was you know, peak diet culture, uh, it was really uncomfortable to be in a larger sized body. And so my dad said, oh, well, you know, nervous system seems a little bit out of whack. Go to a yoga class. And then he signed me up for a seniors yoga class at the local community center, which he says was a mistake. I don't believe him. Um, but I walked into this room, everyone else was 65 plus, I was 13. The teacher was very confused about why I was there. And she said, but you're on the list so you can stay. 
And so I did this practice and I'm looking around the room and all of these people seem really comfortable in their bodies, really at home in their bodies, even you know, with mobility issues, just with you know what happens when you age. And I looked around and said, well, you know what, I'm not there now, but when I'm that age, I would like to be that comfortable in my body. And if yoga asana is the way in, then this is probably something I should stick with. And so I stuck with it all through university where my eating disorder got really bad. And yoga was the only way really to sort of come back to a body that didn't always feel safe and comfortable, but to learn to be present in it, learn to appreciate it for what it was able to do. And from there, once I got a real job, after I graduated, I was like, oh, what do people do after work? You know, you have this nine to five thing. And then what else do you do with your time? Oh, a lot of people go to the gym. So I took up strength training, injured myself multiple times because my trainers weren't set up to work with hypermobile people and realized after that, I was only really going to go to yoga classes. Mm-hmm. Took up yoga very seriously um, with a very disordered eating mentality to it. So I was that person who was doing three hot yoga classes a day. Which mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, so injured myself <laughs> doing yoga which is not something that most people do. But it is possible, which I don't think is talked about enough. Yes. Yoga injury is very real, especially Mm -hmm. because it tends to attract hypermobile people who can get really bendy and then you get more bendy and you don't have the muscular strength to pull out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And my teachers correctly recognized that and said, maybe you should take a teacher training so you can learn how not to hurt yourself in class. And so I did that and was probably one of two teachers of color at the studio that I was in to the point where people would walk in and be like, oh, you're the yoga teacher. You don't look like a yoga teacher because you're not, you know, 20 years old. You're not a size two. You're not white. You're not blonde. And that was really interesting to hear. I remember one of my students brought brought her daughter who was about nine to a restorative class. Her daughter didn't take the class, but I taught it and stepped out. And she said, oh, why are you leaving class early? This little nine-year-old girl. And I said, oh, well, I just finished teaching it. And she looked me dead on and said, you're not a yoga teacher. You don't look like one. She was nine. And so I realized that maybe that wasn't the space for me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so opted then to pursue my training in yoga therapy to use it more as a tool in one-on-one situations with people who are similarly struggling either with eating disorder or joint pain because other things that I live with. Um, Mm -hmm. And then over COVID, I burnt out pretty bad and learned to use the practice in a new way to sort of come back to all of the aspects of myself. And now that's what I offer people from both my lived experience, but also all of my training. That's amazing. Yeah. And it just boggles my mind that in this country, we can have so many people miseducated about the history of yoga and the origins of yoga and (laughs) so but that's a topic for another time (laughs) so uh, so my next oh so important question was what's the difference between the yoga that the western world knows which is asana which is the the poses and the movement Mm -hmm. versus yoga therapy how how do those things differentiate So yoga is this really awesome system of being in the world. And there are eight aspects to it. The philosophy, which is not talked about enough, which sort of covers both your relationship with yourself and your relationship with the world around you. and includes principles like being truthful and non-harming and all kinds of other just like really helpful golden rule kind of things um, Mm -hmm. that can be really useful, especially now in conversations about diversity and inclusion and, you know, how we're just better humans with humans. 
So that's a big part of it. The other part that gets left out of a lot of Western yoga conversations is the breath work. One of my teachers likes to say, if you're not breathing, you're doing a great fitness class, but it's not a yoga practice. Um, right. A lot of teachers tend to cue without cueing breath. The purpose of a yoga practice, especially a therapeutic practice, is to help you regulate your nervous system. Mm-hmm. We do the movement as a way of connecting with the breath. So ultimately, you can be physically comfortable when you sit for meditation, which is another aspect of the practice that doesn't always come into play, particularly in large studio classes. You might get sort of two minutes of Shavasana at the end of your lucky, and the teacher hasn't taught sort of 60 minutes of active practice. But the purpose of the movement practice really is to regulate your nervous system with the breath. So then you can sit in meditation, connect with deeper aspects of yourself, explore you know, how you came to be the way you are in the world and maybe start to change those patterns. So there is, there's a lot more to it. Therapeutic yoga is really powerful um, because it is a one-on-one practice. So you would work with a yoga therapist, whether that's me or someone else in the field. And we do a full biopsychosocial <laughs> assessment, which not all healthcare practitioners get to do. They don't have the luxury of time often. I mean, I can't remember the last time my physician asked me some of the questions that I ask my students about mm-hmm. you know, quality of sleep or how supported you feel and how connected you are to your community. And so we assess all of those things, um, set short, medium, and long-term goals for your well-being, which is another conversation that doesn't always happen in the healthcare space. And then from there, we collaboratively design a practice. So I come in with a bunch of tools. You tell me what you want to do. We see what feels safe and comfortable. And then we design a practice that fits your life. As opposed to it's a 60-minute class, you're getting one set of instructions. It doesn't matter what your lived experience is, you know, whether you have heart disease or you're a pregnant person or you've just come out of surgery, do the same plank. Right. Not great. Um, and you no. <laughs> like me, you could injure yourself um, doing that kind of stuff. Whereas the yoga therapy practice is quite adaptive. So I've worked with students who are, you know, seeking to become pregnant and we design a practice for that. And then unfortunately, like one of them fell down a flight of stairs. And so we adapted her whole practice to support her recovery from that fall and then returned to her original goal. So it's really mm-hmm. set up to meet you where you are. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's, I guess I've, I've been lucky in some senses to have some really balanced, I'll say, approaches in the studio classes that I've been to, but you're so right. And it's funny too, like I started my yoga journey in studios Mm -hmm. with uh, Bikram and in that hot yoga style. And so when you say like three a day, I never made it that much, but I did do two a day sometimes. And um, and then also, yes, I can totally relate with the whole like hypermobility thing. Um, I wouldn't consider myself to necessarily be super hypermobile in my joints, but I am very flexible, mm. which in some ways is good. But again, it's interesting in yoga, you really need to learn where to contract and support yourself because of that hypermobility. And you're right, that's not talked about enough. And so, I, I love that you said someone suggested to you to take a yoga teacher training to learn how to not hurt yourself. Um, you know, yoga teacher trainings are great for many reasons, even if you don't want to be a yoga teacher. Um, I myself am a yoga teacher training, yoga teacher <laughs> as well. Let me get my words straight. Um, and, you know, I've I don't know how many people in my class that I took it with that were just there for just personal reasons. They had no plans to go on and teach. So um, 
I think that's interesting to just sort of put out there and have people that if you already do have a regular practice or maybe you don't, but you want to, yoga teacher training can be a great way to even cultivate a really healthy um, practice for yourself, mm -hmm. which like you said, will expose you and start teaching you about the all eight limbs of yoga yes. and then help you incorporate them into, I think, a more um, complete practice so that you're not just like for me, I came at it actually from, I guess, a more athletic perspective. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that start with the the Bikram style or even vinyasa flow, power flow, mm -hmm. were there for, you know, like maybe some, it's like a recovery day, but you're still mm -hmm. pushing yourself pretty hard. And, you know, I actually ended up injuring my shoulder uh, probably with chaturanga push-ups. <laughs> yep, that'll do it. <laughs> if I'm looking back on it. Um, but, you know, I grew up as a swimmer, so I had a lot of movement and, and flexibility in those shoulders. But then through, you know, too much stretching and, you know, not contracting in other places, mm -hmm. I did, you know, hurt myself. And it, you know, those shoulders actually take a while to heal. And what a big lesson for me. Mm -hmm. And learn terms of, okay, you know, it's that whole concept of balance in the body. So yes, you want to create space and flexibility, but when you create space and flexibility, you need to contract in other ways. Mm -hmm. And what a great life lesson that is too. Like, okay, where are you? If you're going to create openness in this area of your life, maybe you do need to take it back in another mm -hmm. section of your life. And, and what does that look like? And I love that when you said the, the yoga therapy aspects really at, brings these questions and creates this um, almost like a critical thinking within ourselves. Yeah. I really, I love that. Yeah, that's very much the goal when I work with students is not to set up sort of a lifetime of yoga therapy. It's to give you tools or inform you of tools that you can use on your own for the rest of your life. And then if you want to, you know, occasionally come back and check in because something has happened, we can collaborate and set something new up. But it's really to give you a set of tools that you can go forward and use. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, come see me every week for the rest of your life. That's not um, a lot of my colleagues like to say, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job. We'll give you what you need. You go do. And then we're here. Right. If you need us. Exactly. Well, and you know, myself also, also being a life coach and a health coach, mm -hmm. you know, that's also what I try to do with my clients is I don't want to have to see you every, like every week for the rest of your life either. I, my whole purpose in doing what I do is empowerment mm -hmm. and to help teach others sort of what I've learned for myself. Um, you know, and that's why I ask all my guests about their journey to where they are, mm -hmm. because I think it's really important for anyone listening to this show to realize that we all got to where we are as these practitioners by living our life and living those experiences and finding tools to come through them and out of them and onto the other side, mm -hmm. but then in a way that creates and maintains this life of introspection, balance, creativity, joy, prosperity, all the things that in my personal opinion and experience take an active involvement. Yes. They're not just passive. <laughs> they don't just, I mean, like sometimes they ha maybe happen, 
But really, it's because of choices we made and things we brought in that the reason mm -hmm. is the why that happened. It's not just by chance, I don't think. No, no, <laughs> like, I, I do believe in synchronicity, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. And the beautiful aspect of sort of a more, a less sort of asana based practice is that you find that alignment in yourself as you're deep, like as you deepen your awareness and as you better regulate your nervous system. If you're not sort of constantly in fight flight mode, you can better connect with those things that ultimately result in more joy and prosperity and abundance. Yes. And, you know, when you brought up the breath work, which in yoga is called pranayama, mm -hmm. um, it's when you're in that fight or flight, it's the breath work that should help you come out of that. And so, you know, yoga, again, is not just on the mat. And we, I think a lot of teachers talk about like taking your yoga off the mat. Yeah. But what does that really mean? And it could be something just as simple as, oh, I am stressed at work or, oh, I feel myself maybe moving into a panic attack. Mm -hmm. How do I help myself come out of that? Mm -hmm. Or maybe if I need to be in that space, that's okay. Allow myself that grace to be there, that's where the yoga comes off the mat. So mm -hmm. it's the grace, it's like you said, being in touch with your body and then being like, I think everything starts with breath. I mean, we're humans. We, we can't exist without breath. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and even like medically speaking, if you mm -hmm. stop breathing, that's when your heart stops. Most of the time your heart has stopped because it has been you know withheld of oxygen so <laughs> we, we must breathe and in order to be you know first step of balance and health is a healthy breath practice so mm -hmm. even noticing throughout your day are you holding your breath at points you know like when you move even just to bend over and pick something up are you holding your breath then mm -hmm. you know like because so many people hurt their back just by bending over and you know and they're like i don't understand what i did well, maybe it's not what you did, but what you didn't do when you bent over, maybe you didn't contract your core, maybe you held your breath, maybe, you know, like so many things. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, so many things. Now as you were speaking, I was like, yeah, or even just noticing if you're breathing through your mouth, mm -hmm. right? which I'm seeing more and more of with my students and sort of just reteaching the practice of breath. Um, there's one of my colleagues likes to say, if you can breathe, you can come see a yoga therapist, like regardless of other mobility pieces, because there's often that sort of mental state too, where, oh, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible, flexible enough, or I can't do yoga because I have an injury. Um, if you can breathe, you can come see a yoga therapist because that's almost always where we start is rest first because as a population, we don't rest enough. Mm -hmm. And then really just regulating your nervous system with your breath so that you can move into sort of that dorsal ventral state, be in that rest and digest space where your body is being nourished by what you're eating as opposed to not processing it properly. And from there, building strength for movement and flexibility and all of those awesome, awesome things. Yes. Let's move into um, your area of expertise, mm -hmm. um, how yoga therapy really helps women with weight management. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I'm assuming a piece of it, and I'm sure you'll talk about it, is it, well, you did talk about it within your story is coming into that level of acceptance and comfort within our own bodies, no matter where we are. Yes. Yes. And it, so I had the good fortune of doing my thesis research for my yoga therapy practice um, in with primarily women who are struggling with obesity as it related to other conditions. So whether it was heart disease, digestive disorders, diabetes, um, and it was really for me 
eye-opening to see how if folks committed to doing a fairly short practice, the really significant impact it had on their well-being. One of my students arrived in her first session and said, I know, you know we were going to talk about obesity, but I've developed sleep apnea and I'm really anxious about it. Can we work on that? And so we really just did a few simple things, not even full practices to address her sleep. And within four weeks, she was like, oh, you know, my physician says I don't need a CPAP machine anymore because my breathing is better because the muscles in my throat are stronger just from chanting and deliberately breathing in some ways. And by the end of our 12 weeks together, when she arrived, she was on three kinds of heart medication. She was down to one just from a 15 minute practice that she did consistently and then some other small lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And it blew my mind because like, I know the practice works because I've done it, but to see it work for someone else was so heartening. And she's continued with her practice. Her health continues to improve. Other students also saw significant gains when they committed to practice. And I think that was one of the biggest learnings for me. As your yoga therapist, I can offer you a practice, but if you don't do it, you won't see any results. I can't do it for you. Right. And it's not as simple as, hey, take this pill and you'll be fine. Um, it does require some dedication. But the really other neat things that happened were they were sitting down to meals with their families more, so relationships improved. A lot of my students also sort of dove deeper into food prep and things like that. And one of them is like now friends with the farmer who grows her vegetables and like goes to see a dairy farmer every so often because she's still consuming dairy, like feeds the cows that feed her. Talking so about being like, connected with your community. Yes. Your like food really community. Yeah. That's beautiful a big relationships. Yeah. Um, one of them took up gardening and like has really sort of committed to restoring her relationship with her environment. And so it was really beautiful to see how what started as a fairly simple yoga practice impacted all eight aspects of their well-being, so their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health, their spiritual health as it relates to sort of their natural environment. Mm -hmm. It's really neat to see how, and then because of that, they were moving more, they felt more comfortable. So whether it was gardening or walking around a farm or whatever the case was, and it's just, there's such a, for me, what felt like monumental change and something that their physicians noted, sort of it showed up in their blood work. And so it wasn't weight loss focused necessarily, because a lot of folks are like, oh, I just want to lose the weight. It was more about being comfortable in a body as it's changing for the better, which is right. neat to see. Well, and, you know, sleep apnea can't, is so, it's a, it's a big, big, big Thing that affects especially western culture and it really can be disruptive to your life i mean when you're not i mean you mentioned earlier as westerners we don't sleep enough for sure that but that even of itself doesn't even come into like really address that those who have sleep apnea they a lot of them want to rest because they're exhausted because they're not sleeping because they're apneic all night <laughs> Oh, which yes. means, you know, you're essentially like you stop breathing mm -hmm. uh, several times a night up to hundreds of times sometimes for some people. It's it's really kind of mind boggling how our body can still function on so little sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and so the fact that you were able to help someone with just that piece is amazing. I think it's amazing and like really powerful. Um, so, yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit maybe about that piece specifically? Because you said it was mainly pranayama focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a few tools we use for sleep apnea. And primarily it's to sort of strengthen the muscles in your throat so that 
your throat stays open so you can breathe as opposed to um, experiencing any sort of collapse in that space. And so there's a couple of practices, but we also did a lot of chanting. And she was someone who was just like, nah, I'm not going to chant in Sanskrit. It feels weird. And like, fair enough. It's not your culture. And so she used to sing Broadway show tunes. She made a list of show tunes that she loved. None of them are short. And so every time when she used to, she had a corporate job, so she would schedule a five minute break between her meetings and at the top of her lungs in her home office, just sing a show tune. She was oh, super cool. happy as a result because she loved what she was singing and it strengthened all of the muscles in her throat. Singing also mm-hmm. requires a lot of breath work. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of naturally was happening as opposed to here as a deliberate, you know, sit and do pranayam for however long, which can be one difficult to do and boring for some people as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had students who are like, Oh yeah, I think I did 20, but I lost count at five. And then I just kept going until I got tired. Um, <laughs> you're not used to the rhythm of it. Or I have students who fall asleep doing pranayam cause it's so soothing. So she was mm-hmm. like, no, show tunes keep me awake. I'm belting them out, you know, every five minutes for eight hours, um, which was great. And so she really just strengthened all of the muscles in her throat. She strengthened the muscles in her jaw and in her face. And so when she was asleep, because there was more tone in all of those spaces, she was better able to keep her airway open and as a result, um, had better quality sleep. And then from there, we built in sort of more traditional pranayam practices. So we did the alternate nostril breathing. Um, we did some shitali where you sort of inhale through your teeth and there's some neck extension and some chin tucking to continue to build strength and relieve tension in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's fascinating. I love that. Um, I think, yeah, I think for those of us that and do enjoy singing, the chanting aspect is a little less intimidating, but you're right, especially, you know, as a Caucasian person in a yoga teacher training when the chanting came up, you know, like I've done the ohms in practice, mm-hmm. but, you know, like beyond that. So that was something that I really enjoyed exploring more after teacher training uh, was some of the the chanting aspects. Mm-hmm. And um, we can, you know, get into the vibrational aspect of, and, you know, we are vibration to, vibrational being so um don't just i would say for anyone out there like yes you might feel weird and awkward at first but again like once you like start just playing with it and trying it and then really start to feel into like even just an ohm Mm -hmm. is a great place to start and it can really change the vibration of your body and which translates to your your mood and your mindset and um, again it has great trickle down effects so yeah just sort of be brave sometimes (laughs) and you can start in safe spaces like she started singing in her shower and you know it's an enclosed environment like no one really can hear you over the water and she's like as you know as that Mm -hmm. got comfortable then it was singing at my desk and then it was all of the other things and one of the, I mean, not expected benefits was she's also more comfortable presenting now in front of rooms of people because she feels stronger in her voice, which I find for women can be an interesting sort of dynamic to explore. And there's some reflection perhaps to be done there if you feel like you haven't been able to use your voice to then mm-hmm. sort of, over the course of a practice physically develop the strength, which then she's better able to project and do all of those fun things. So there's lots and lots of benefits. Yeah. So, um, Let's talk about now, let's see what else. Is there something else that maybe you've seen like a big theme with your clients in terms of um, 
the benefits with, I don't know, um, I don't know, to get, tell me something else that like. <laughs> I think for most of my students, sort of the, the light bulb that goes off is that when I'm breathing better, everything else gets better. My relationship with myself gets better because I'm better regulated. A lot of my students are parents and they're like, oh, because I'm feeling more grounded and I'm sort of not either in fight flight or just completely sort of disconnected and dissociated from the world around me. I'm better able to regulate with my kids. I'm better able mm -hmm. to regulate with my colleagues. I do a lot of work with corporate clients as well. And they're like, yeah, my leadership has improved for my team, which has been really fascinating because I think we either people don't know or they forget that we co-regulate with each other, even in virtual spaces. Mm -hmm. And so when you are grounded, the person that you're with is, if they are not grounded, is better able to co-regulate with you and then go from there. A lot of my work now is in correctional institutions, so prisons. Mm. And there's a lot of dysregulation in those spaces, often just For as a sure. result of the environment. And so if yeah. someone can take, you know, two minutes, do a breath practice, come back to themselves, that creates these little ripple effects where there's more and more regulation happening. And so that's yeah. neat to observe. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that question of how we show up in the world mm -hmm. and in conjunction with that, like what we put out is what we receive. So, you know, if we're showing up anxious, you know, our shoulders are in our ears and mm -hmm. not breathing, then that's sort of like what people mirror back to us. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I would say. And I think, too, like when you said like parents with their children, you know, like our children are all always looking to us for those cues and they they pick up what we're putting down <laughs> and so so much of my um energy medicine practice with my clients is helping them release what they picked up from their parents teachers other family members growing up that we don't even realize that we're doing it's unconscious and especially as you know we're all empathic to some level but those super empathic children I think also like want to take that on to help mm. their loved one and not knowing what to do with that energy when they're taking it on. And so, you know, that's a whole nother topic conversation too, is what that leads to down the road. But then, you know, as adults, I, that's why I think this is so valuable and can be so transformative, you know, um, it was such simple approaches. I mean, this is not complicated, but it is powerful. Yes. And like you said, it requires you to do the work, you yes. know, like you, you can't do it for them. So there has to be this element of com self commitment also. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, I think, do you ever have clients that come to you that are like, they want to do it, but then struggle with that um, implementation and, and consistency? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is habit change and habit change is hard. And so a lot, the approach that pretty much every yoga therapist will use is we try not to take away things. So it's not, you know, don't eat this or don't do this. It's here's something else you can do in addition to. And then over time, the thing in addition to becomes easier, more preferred, and the stuff that is less helpful sort of falls away. But it does, it takes time and it takes some dedication. And so I have a whole range of accountability practices with my students, depending on their style. 
Um, one of my students is a big fan of my cats. And so every time she does her practice, she sends me a text message to say she's done and she gets a photo of one of my cats, um, which <laughs> makes her happy. So she gets a little dopamine hit. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> and so it is quite adaptive in terms of sort of what makes sense for people. And it's also why the practices are designed to fit people's lives. So again, a lot of my students are parents. I have, I work with a lot of new moms and we're like, I barely have time to go to the bathroom. Where am I going to put a yoga practice in my day? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if you are going to the bathroom, even if you are accompanied by a small human, you know, here's a quick breath practice and, you know, a quick arm movement to release the tension in your shoulder from carrying that small human around. Because chances are, if you're in the bathroom, they'll be, they'll be on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so it's right. designed to fit into people's lives wherever it makes sense for them. And then as the practice, you know, starts to bring relief, starts to address whatever that immediate short-term goal is, it builds the desire to do a little bit more. And so it is quite iterative and integrated in whatever way it needs to be. Lovely. I love it. So tell people where they can find you. Well, you can definitely find me on my website. I am Canadian. Um, so it is a .ca web address as opposed to a .com, but it is holisticyogatherapy.ca. And you can just Google holistic yoga therapy. It's one of the top results, on, at least on the first page. Um, so if you can't remember the web address, that will happen. I'm also on Instagram at holistic yoga therapist, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just use my name, Naya Bajaj, and I'll pop up there as well. Cool. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time, your expertise. I love it. Um, I'd love to have you back to maybe dive deeper into some of more of these. Every time we said well, that's a topic for another time. Yes, please. I would <laughs> dive <love> deeper. <laughs> so um, again, everyone check out uh, her website, holisticyogatherapy.ca and, um, you know, reach out to her on the socials and encourage everyone to come to this with an element of curiosity and openness because again like i think we all have our different reasons for coming to a practice like this but it's always fascinating what unfolds when we're not expecting it and the myriad of ways that these practices can create so um you know what better what's better in life than that really <laughs> So thank you, Naya. I appreciate you and your time. And um, we'd, we're going to look forward to having you back in the future. I look forward to being back. Thank you for having me for the first go round. Yes. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we'll catch you in the next episode.